Hey, welcome. So good to be with you this morning. And and as online community, we are one church in two locations, and we just want to say thank you for letting us into your living room this morning and giving us a part of your Sunday morning. Um, we know it's it's a challenging time, and you want to be connected, and so we, we love you guys, and uh, thanks for allowing us to, to continue to speak into your lives. Um, and, and if you're new and you're joining us for the first time, we want to welcome you and say thanks for um, joining us, and we hope that you enjoy this service and will join us again next week. You know, we're right now we're in the middle of a, a series called The Church, and we're unpacking what the church is, and we've talked about the essence of the church and the diversity of the church and the unity of the church. And uh, today we're going to talk about the mission of the church. And uh, as the speaking team met and we kind of worked through who was going to be speaking on each one of these topics, um, my heart really jumped and is extremely passionate about the mission of the church. Uh, but but it's, not, it's not because uh, I want some huge church or some fast-growing organization. That's not what it's about. Um, that's not why my heart really longs for the church to be on mission. Uh, what, what it's really about is I simply want to see people be set free, to see people come to Christ, to, to grow and experience the love and the, the, the freedom that Christ offers. That's why I'm passionate about this topic. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to try to walk into this really a three-week series in 35 minutes here. Um, so we're going to attempt to do this. And I think it's really important to establish a couple things right off the bat. First, the mission of the church is not given by a church. It was not created by a church. And it was not given by church leadership. No, the mission of the church was given by Jesus. And that's what we want to unpack here um, in this time together. Uh, you know, another thing that's really important to kind of set the context is who is the church? Um, the church is not an organization. <clears throat> the church is not um, this building, a building. The church is not just a nonprofit status. The church is you and me. So the mission that Jesus gives us is really a mission. It's a personal mission for you and I. And, you know, as we looked at, the church is a group of people with a shared identity. And that shared identity is the fact that we are sons and daughters of the king. So we're not talking about the Grace Church mission statement this morning, per se. We're actually talking about the mission that Jesus has given you and given me. So um, I'm excited to dive into this. And there's three parts to this mission, all right? There's three parts that we're gonna walk through. Um, and uh, you know, when we think of mission, we think draw swords or attack or fire weapons and war and fight. Now that may be the context that we're in. But I think we'll be surprised at what Jesus brings to the table of actually what our mission is. All right. So we're going to be looking today at Matthew chapter 22, a portion in there, and also Matthew 28. And so let's start with Matthew 22. And we're going to start in verse 34. 
So we set the context here for where we're headed. It says in verse 34, when the Pharisees heard that um, he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Which one's the greatest, right? And so the context, right, we have Pharisees and Sadducees here, and one of them was a lawyer, smart dude, right? Highly religious, people of the day. He was the Pharisees and Sadducees. They had it all together. They were highly religious. Um, they were solid church attenders. They knew the right answers. They had it all figured out. And so this question that this, this young ruler or the lawyer asked was great. It was actually a great question because there were over 600 laws that these guys were supposed to keep track of. So which one is actually the greatest? Which one's the most important? Now, the lawyer's motive was here was to test, right? Was to test. And as you study the Pharisees and Sadducees, why this was so important to this lawyer, this question, was because their whole spiritual maturity system was based on performance. What, what can I do to be the best? Which one really do I need to pay attention to? See, they were so knowledgeable. They, they, they had the knowledge and the duty and they, they performed at a really high level in the religious system that the Pharisees and Sadducees had created. And, and so this question was to test Jesus, but it was still a really good question. So that's the context. So let's see how Jesus answered. All right, we're going to look at verse 37 and 38 now. And he said, Jesus said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. So this was Jesus's response to, to um, the Pharisees and Sadducees and to the to the lawyer, out of 600 laws, out of all of these laws, right? The first and greatest is to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Church, here's our mission. Our mission is to love God. Our mission is to love God. Um, man, when I, when I was working through this and going, all right, Here's, here's the mission, the number one command. Here's what Jesus has asked us to do, is to love him. It brought some questions to my mind. Some questions, right? What does it look like to love God? Okay? What is God's love language? How do I know when God feels loved? Right? Um, these questions and so many more, like, if this is the greatest commandment, and, and I'm supposed to love God, then what does that look like and how do I do that? How do I do that? Now, all of these questions may not be, so to speak, theologically correct, but these are legitimate questions just like the lawyer asked. Henry Nguyen said, answers before questions do damage to the soul. And so we, we've got to ask questions. And 
Um, I think it's important. And, and maybe some of you have questions of, okay, I know I'm supposed to love God, but how? Right? Is it going to church? Is it sharing Christ? Is it serving on a Sunday morning or serving in our local community? Is that what it means to love God? I want to unpack this, of what it truly means to love God with you. Um, and it comes from the narrative that God has really given us, right? His story with us. And so I want to take some time here just to unpack it a little bit, all right? We're going to unpack what it means to love God. And first, we have to start with the great rescue. Um, we were rescued from our own brokenness. We were rescued from the kingdom of darkness, right? Why did Jesus come? And Isaiah says he came to restore us, to set the captives free and to heal the broken hearts. <clears throat> this is why he came. And we're gonna look at the third part of the mission, the fullness of the gospel here. But this is why he came. He came to heal us, to rescue us. And so how we love God is to allow him to do that, right? A lot of times I think what happens is we, we come to Christ and we share Christ or, or we receive Christ. We come to Christ and we receive him and then it's kind of done. But Jesus' heart is for so much more, right? Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted, right? It's letting, we love God by letting him in. We love God by letting him into the categories of brokenness to fulfill why he actually came, to continue to heal those places, right? We love God by not playing a game, not by posing or performing, but being sons and daughters, right? In, in Corinthians, it says that Jesus said, I'll be, I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters. That is our identity. And so, Loving God is living that out and not pretending like we have it all together, not performing religiously. We love God by being sons and daughters, right? We love God by being in union with him. John 17, that we would be one with Jesus just as Jesus is one with the Father. We love God by being in union with him and walking with him and being in step with him. And you know, what his heart breaks for, our hearts break for. What his thoughts, our thoughts, right? We love God by being in union with him. We love God by listening to him, to his voice. We love God by paying attention to our hearts. Hey, right? Proverbs says, guard your hearts above all else. We love God by listening to his voice and, and, and guarding our hearts. And, and we love God by asking the heart questions and having Jesus excavate the unholy places out of our lives. Right? Jesus does heart work. He does heart work. That's why he came. Reminded of a story in the gospel where Jesus is again really dealing with and approaching the Pharisees and Sadducees. And Jesus says, you whitewash tombs. You look good on the outside, but inside, it's a mess. It's an absolute mess. See, Jesus does heart work. 
We love God by letting Jesus do what he came to do in us, in our hearts, in our lives. And Dallas Willard um, said, the most important thing about a man is not what he does, but it is who he becomes. Oh my goodness, right? We get so focused on what we're doing and what we need to do to be a good Christian and what we need to do to, to love God. It's not a formula. What he really wants is us to care about who we become. It's not a formula. It's not a, it's, it's not a three steps to loving God. It's a heart posture. It's a heart attitude that says, Father, I invite you to come into these categories, these unholy places, and bring healing and restoration to them. That's what he wants. Eugene Peterson um, put it this way in the, me in the message where he paraphrases um, so good. It says in Psalms 51, going through the motions doesn't please you, God. A flawless performance is nothing to you. I learned God worship when my pride was shattered. Heart shattered lives ready for love don't for a moment escape God's notice. See, God's not pleased with a performance. God's not pleased with us having it all together. God's not pleased with a Pharisee and Sadducee approach. He's not pleased with any of that. What he wants is for us to be humble. He wants us to let him in, to approach him and say, yes, yes. God, you have my yes. I invite you into this place. That's how we love God. That's what he wants. That's why he came. In fact, over the years, as I've, as I've uncovered more and more of what it means to love God, based on Jesus and his teaching, one of my greatest passions and prayers is that the Father would make me the man, the husband, the father, the friend, and the pastor that he would want me to be. See, it's not about what I do. It's about who I become. It's about my character. It's about living out of a whole heart and not out of brokenness and woundedness. And so it's letting the father in and saying, yes, yes. Jesus, I invite you to come. Loving God is the main part of our mission because it's only out of a love for God that the other two aspects of our mission as a church can happen. It, it, it's only out of a love for God. And so let's look at the second part, and that's in verse 39 and 40. All right? So again, Jesus is still answering this question. What is the greatest command of all of them? And he said, love the Lord your God. But then in 39, he says, and second is like it. You shall love your neighbor 
as yourself. On these two commands depends all the law and the prophets. Right? So Jesus is going, okay, I'm going to give you the number one, number two. Number one, love God. That's the greatest aspect of our mission. The second, though, is very similar, and it's to love others. It's to love other people. Now, in this series, we've already talked about loving people in the church, right? Diversity, unity, this is, these are core aspects of the church that God has very clearly designed to be a part of the church. But this is our mission. So I want to talk about people outside the walls of this church. And Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. This is the second. And all other laws actually fall on these two. So if you do these two, oh my goodness, everything else is going to fall into place. But before we can actually love others, we do have to love God, right? But in this idea of loving others, some questions again came to mind. How do I love people? How do I truly love someone who's maybe in our community? What does it look like and how do I do it? Well, what does it look like to support, love somebody, but not support their sin? What, what does it look like to, how do I love somebody who is strung out on drugs and addicted to drugs? How do I truly love someone who's addicted to pornography? How do I truly love someone who's struggling with homosexuality or having affairs? How do we love people who are in a different economic or social class than us? See, Jesus didn't draw these lines. He just said simply love your neighbor, right? Here's a question, who's my neighbor? I think somebody asked Jesus that one time, right? And he shared a story of the Good Samaritan. And uh, the Samaritan was not friends with the one who was robbed. They were actually enemies. So your neighbor is anyone other than you. Your neighbor could be the neighbor next door. Could be the one who doesn't like you. Your neighbor is that other person. And Jesus says, love. Love that person. And it's the second greatest command. In order to do this, friends, we have to be overtaken by the love of God. The unbelievable love of God for us. We, we, we won't be able to love others well unless we are astonished and stunned by God's love for us. And out of that, we begin to love God. It's only then that we are able to love others. See, as God loves us and as we let God into the brokenness in our own lives, as we let God in and we say yes to God in all of those different categories, and he comes into our insecurities, and he comes into our prejudice, and he comes into all of that. Until he does, we won't be able to love people well. We won't be able to do it. See, Jesus' response, and I love this, right? When Jesus, we saw this in the Gospels again, when Jesus responded to the crowds, says, 
He was filled with compassion. When he saw the broken, the lost, they were like sheep without a shepherd. And what rose up in him was compassion. We can't muster that response up. We can't do it. We can't muster up this amazing compassion until we've understood and been blown away by God's love for us. And in turn, we love him. He begins to work in our hearts and heal those places in us. Then we can be filled with compassion. It's not something we can muster up. Now, Grace Church, that's, that's why we've instituted some things like for Ashland. That is not, for Ashland is not about growing our church. It's not about some catchy phrase. No, no. It's actually about showing the love of God to our community. There's over 50,000 people in our community that need to be loved by people who are blown away by God's love for them. And they're so deeply in love with God that they cannot help but love others. See, the four Ashland and, and what we want to be here at Grace Church is on mission where we love our community deeply with compassion because so many of them are broken, just like us. So many of them are lost and their, their hearts are wrecked. And it's our mission that God has given us to love them. Jesus said, um, now go and do likewise to the man who wanted to know who his neighbor was. Grace Church, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Love your neighbor. Sometimes I think we, we, we get more concerned about the people inside the walls of grace than we do outside the walls. And Jesus has called us to love them. Several years ago, um, God really kind of gave me a mission statement for my life. And, um, and part of that mission, mission statement was to be a really good lover of my, my wife, my kids, and all the people around me. And that's something that God's growing in me, learning how to love well. And uh, I'm, I'm passionate about that, to love people well. All right? The third part of this mission can only be accomplished when we love God and we love others. And so it's all built on loving God. But the third part of our mission comes out of Matthew 28. Matthew 28, um, in verse 19, it says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Here's the third part of our mission, is to reveal the life-giving grace of Jesus to go make disciples, to baptize them, teach them all that I have taught, is what Jesus said. This is our mission. You know, Jesus never taught 
when we, when we get into, right, teach all that Jesus taught, Jesus never taught religion. He never taught performance. He never taught legalism. He never taught having it all together. In fact, he actually pushed back on all of that and said, no, no, that is not what we're to be about. He taught the disciples simply how to love him, how to love others, and how to share and reveal the gospel to people. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, right? Jesus said it's union with him. This is what Jesus taught. This is what Jesus taught and what he wants us to teach others. See, friends, the point of the cross was far more than the forgiveness of sins. The point of the cross was to bring healing and restoration to the very core of your heart and who you are, to the very core where the fall in Genesis chapter 3 actually shattered everything. Jesus did not just come for some forgiveness of sins. He came to put it all back together. That's the fullness of the gospel. That's the message. Our mission is to take the fullness of the gospel, the forgiveness of sins, to the healing, to the broken, all of that. Our mission is to take that to the lost and to those who are hurting. Right? We were rescued by this incredible love of God. We were rescued by his life-giving grace. We were rescued by his unfathomable love. And now it's time for us to rescue others with the same gospel. Again, we can't muster this up. We can't just, I'm going to go do this and tomorrow it's going to change everything. No, because it starts with, friends, do you love God? Do you love God? My heart in ministry, my heart here is not to grow a huge church and have some fancy organization. It's for a group of people to partner with God, to be deeply in love with Him, so much so that they can't help but love others. They can't help but share the grace-giving or the life-giving grace of Jesus to others. It just flows out of them because of their deep love for God. You know, Grace Church has a mission statement and it has some values. It's not about our organization. It's about us as believers from Jesus. Our Grace Church mission statement ha happens to be love God, love others, and reveal the life-giving grace of Jesus. Why is that our mission statement? Because it's clearly the mission that God has given us. Straight from his, his scriptures, straight from his mouth, he gave us a mission to love God, to love others, and to reveal the life-giving grace of Jesus. But see, here's where we get all confused. We happen to create our own nice, controlled systems to judge spiritual maturity, right? Just like the Pharisees and Sadducees did. We create these systems on how, what it means to spiritually grow and all of this. And, and COVID, honestly, has started to unravel all of that. COVID has started to break that down because it's messed with our, our man-made systems of what it means to be spiritually mature. 
And it's exposed that we often love those systems more than we love God. And we end up majoring on minors and minoring on majors and we just get all confused. And see, Jesus had to push through all this. He had to push through all the traditions and laws and all the, the battling and religious thinking and even their doctrines and theologies. And he had to push through all of that. And he did that simply by saying, here it is. Love me. Love others. And reveal the life-giving grace of Jesus to the world. <laughs> he simplified the whole thing. It's not about religion. It's not about performance. It's not about getting confused in all of that. In fact, it's a simple reorientation here. That's what I hope this message is. My heart is that this would be a reorientation on really the mission of the church. Right? It's not our job to make church attractional. It's to love people. It's not our job to have this perfect organization. No, it's to love people. It's to love God. It's to reveal the life-giving grace of Jesus. It's to kind of push back all our traditional right now systems and what church is and no, get rid of all of that. We're no different than Pharisees and Sadducees at that point. We need to stop confusing performance and with spiritual maturity. And what we need to look at is one who is spiritually growing by Jesus' definition is one who loves him more. Not loves a system more. No, loves God more. And is blown away and in awe by his love for him or her. Spiritual maturity, how well we love people, how, we lo how well we love our community, how well we love the one who isn't like us. And at that point, the gospel just flows out of us, the fullness of the gospel. These are the majors. We don't need to major on the minors and get all confused. Major on the majors. Love God, love others, and reveal this life-giving grace of Jesus. Here in a minute, we're going to worship, and we're going to actually sing um, worship with two songs that are just incredible. You know, online community here, right? Um, the tendency is going to be, like, let's, we listen to the message, it's great. No, please, sit in these worship songs. Sit in them. Let them be a prayer that this would become your life. See, my heart is to love God with everything I have, church, and to be in awe of his love, to be in union with him and walk in his, with him and in his heart be my heart. It's to love others well. It's to see people, listen to their stories and, and hear them and love them well, to care for their heart, to see their heart, not just what they look like on the outside, 
not just how they talk or respond or how they're reacting, but no, who are they? And to hear their stories and to love them well. In my heart, to, to, to be a warrior for the fullness of the gospel. To be a warrior, to fearlessly take the gospel to our community and our people and help people find life and that amazing love that God has for them. Friends, these are the majors, right? How do we apply this? Well, maybe for you, for many of us, we probably have to start with, do I love God? Or do I love other things more? And what categories? Name a category that God needs, you need to invite God into to begin to redeem and restore. To redeem and restore. That's what we got to press into. Maybe, maybe it's love others. You know, who has God put in your life that you need to love? Maybe that's not easy, but who is it? And go and get to know them. Learn their story. Learn who they are. Care for their heart. And not bring our religious, judgmental, prejudice, performance approach, but to really love them. Or maybe there's someone actually that you need to go share the gospel with this week. The relationship's already there. You've loved them well, but you haven't taken that next step to say, here's the gospel. Here's what Jesus actually has done for you. Friends, if something stirred in you this morning, here's what I would love for you to do. I want you to just sit in this worship time and engage with the Father here. Let these things be, let these worship songs be your prayer for your life and for others. And if something is really stirred in you, I want to ask that you would just text Jesus to this number on the screen. Because I want to come alongside people who are on this mission. And we can do this together. So text Jesus and we'll get in contact with you. And and start a conversation about how can we love God more? How can we love others more? And how can we take this incredible gospel of why Jesus came to fully restore us to our community? Would you do that? Just grab your phone. If, if something stirred in you, just text Jesus. and We'll be in contact with you. And we want to see a community grow of people who are just in love with God. And the impact will be stunning. Jesus, we need you to come. Jesus, we need you to come. Stir in our hearts as we worship. Amen.